The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to have you in on a Friday at Tail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Busy day. It's uh, the recruiting time of year. Nebraska getting a big get uh, a second time. Uh, Mickey Joseph officially in at Nebraska as uh, the uh, wide receivers coach, passing game coordinator, and uh, associate head coach, uh, a man that got Mickey the first time on the recruiting trail, uh, Jack Pierce, a great assistant and elite recruiter at Nebraska and uh, part of the athletic department for so many years, is going to kick us off today to talk about Mickey. Jack, thank you so much, bud, for, for giving us a few minutes today and starting the show. How's your Friday, man? Yeah, I can hardly hear you, Schmitty. Any better now? No. You guys got to pay the bill to get that thing Mike fixed. Well, the the hamster died. We've got one of those hamsters uh, powering the station. I don't know well, what what it is. So why don't we put well, you on? Why don't we put you on hold and we'll get it figured out? Hang on for me. Thanks an awful lot. Yep. So we'll do that. Uh, talk with Jack. Check with him on his on his iPhone. All right, setting and go there so we'll uh we'll hit reset and do this again so we're supposed to talk with jack pierce uh we hope that 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 happens uh it'd be really cool to do so loaded show for you we'll dive in and uh we'll spend a few minutes here on uh, mickey joseph uh, as he is back in Lincoln. Numbers to get in today on Hale Varsity, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Jacob Padilla going to join us from Hale Varsity in a little bit. Talk some Husker football, some Nebraska volleyball. We'll get in uh, some thoughts with hoops as well. And then uh, the forecast coming up with Clausburn. Uh, that is... Also happening in hour two, Bill Dolman, and then uh, Michigan insider Greg Hansen going to be with us. Elijah's juggling here. God love him. He's trying to make it happen. So what we do know is this. Mickey Joseph is in. Mickey's got a, a lot of experience uh, coaching in and, and 25 years. And you know what? Nebraska fans are so excited to uh, to have Mickey Joseph back. And you look at... Coach Frost trying to, to round out uh, this this offensive side of the ball, this coaching staff. And uh, you know what? Mickey's uh, made such an impact at LSU, but really at different spots and stops throughout his career. And it was one of those situations where you're, you were kind of wondering if it was going to happen, right? What's the situation like down at LSU? 
Is Brian Kelly going to retain him? Uh, is uh, Nebraska going to be able to get him? Do we have Jack back? Jack, you got us a little bit better, bud. Thanks for uh, for making this yeah, work. You, yeah, that's fine. I'm sorry. No, no worries. No worries. So, Jack, I, I want to get your reaction here to Mickey Joseph coming back to Lincoln. I, I know you and Mickey have been close for, for a long, long time. What do you think of him returning to Big Red Country? Well, I'll tell you what, Mickey Joseph was one of the smartest and most athletic kids I ever recruited. He, he had a great mind for football. He played under Hank Tierney at Shaw. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, he, uh, then he came up here. Great parents. He had great parents. Uh, had a, but, but a couple of brothers that were pretty good athletes, too. Mm-hmm. Jack, let's but he was fun to recruit. He was a good kid. Let's go back to to that moment. I mean, and Mickey was the, the national Gatorade player of the year. I mean, top option quarterback. You get him. You always did incredible work down in, in New Orleans and in Louisiana with your recruiting. And and take me through that process years ago to, to get Mickey to Lincoln. Well, we had the offensive and the defensive player of the year. Uh, in Reggie Cooper mm-hmm. and Mickey Joseph. Uh, LSU didn't like it very much, or Alabama didn't like it, but <laughs> worked out that way. So what, uh, what was it like thought, trying to get him? Huh? What was it like trying to get Mickey to, to commit to Lincoln? Well, I I, I tell you what, it, it was, uh, we, we spent a lot of time with him, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, he was... His, his parents were very inquisitive, very intelligent people, and they wanted to know all about it. You know what I mean? And uh, then uh, on the final visit, uh, I brought uh, Tom down there. And uh, I, I would have to say Tom sealed the deal. Was it a, a situation? Was it, a do- it had to be a dogfight, didn't it, for the uh, number one player in the country, the number one option quarterback? I mean, you in Oklahoma? Was that who it came down to? Well, that's what won it for us, Schmitty. I got to tell you, Tom and I were flying down to see, to see uh, Mick, and uh, we had to fly through Chicago to get to New Orleans. And... Uh, Luckily, Tom picked up a newspaper in Chicago, and uh, the headline on the sports page was that uh, that Notre Dame had signed the best drop back, six foot four, two hundred and something pound quarterback from some school in Illinois there, and it just uh, got a commitment from him. And Tom's explanation when we got down there, he bought the paper down there and showed it to him and said to him, you're an option quarterback. What do you think they're going to do with you? <laughs> Defensive and back. that sealed the deal. <laughs> well, that worked. What, was it Was it pretty, was it yeah, pretty fierce? Yeah, I couldn't read at that time, so Tom was lucky <laughs> enough to read it to me. So... When it comes to kind of generating that, that relationship, that rapport, Jack Pierce with us at Hale Varsity talking Mickey Joseph. Jack, what was the um, what was the, the end? Obviously, the, the newspaper in Chicago didn't hurt, 
but uh, just uh, how did Nebraska kind of grow with with Mickey at the time when you got Oklahoma, you got Clemson, you got Notre Dame, and then you guys have been winning a lot of ball games anyway as well in the Big Eight. Well, we ran the kind of offense uh, Tierney ran at Shaw, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we would show, I would show him film of uh, film of uh, our offense and just kind of related to him to pick himself out in his film. What what guy are you? Mm-hmm. You know, and of course we would reflect on the quarterback because uh, he he could uh, he was a, a just Smitty was so smart mm-hmm. at the game of football. Uh, he he saw right away that he would uh, he would have a great chance here. What was were you guys down there for Mickey's announcement? Yeah. Yeah. What happened with that? We couldn't go on a school ground, but he wanted to sign at school. And so I had a table set up at the park where there was an eight-foot fence, and Mickey signed uh, on. We stayed on the park side. He stayed on the high school side with all the people around him. Is this a snow fence you brought down? <laughs> no, no, no. I had, I got Hank Tierney uh, to find a, a you know. I said, you know, we got to find something where we got a barrier, you know. But we got to. Uh, and he had a friend of his that uh, put the fence up for that day. So technically, you guys were on city property, not on school grounds. Right. Exactly. Well, it's just like Reggie. I had to sign Reggie on the in the street on the hood of a Cadillac. Reggie Cooper. How, yeah. How did yeah. how did that go over with Reggie signing on a Cadillac? Now uh, that was on the Times Picayune cover thing. Uh, it said uh, Cooper signs. I think it said something like Cooper signs with Nebraska. Mm-hmm. What do you think he got uh, from them? And it showed. <laughs> The picture was taken up through the Cadillac decal onto him signing. So it's, hey, come to Nebraska and get a Cadillac, right? Yeah. <laughs> Jack, yeah. Jack Pierce is with us, uh, incredible recruiter for Nebraska, assistant coach, uh, recruited Mickey Joseph to Lincoln. And uh, Mickey is back in Lincoln. Uh, have you been pretty proud, I would assume so, of, of Mickey's career? And, and he started out at Omaha North, his first job out in Nebraska, as a high school coach, and man, he's been a lot of spots. He's had a lot of roles. I mean, he's done it all. Oklahoma, uh, Northwest Oklahoma, yeah, Northeast Oklahoma, or something like that. Yeah, he's he's done it all at a lot of spots, and he's been great uh, for LSU. Uh, when it, he's been a great recruiter for them, yeah. and and he's a, he's a great coach too. I've talked to a few people that have been around him. You know what I mean. When he was coaching, and uh, Mickey's got a great feel for the game. His brother was head coach at Denver. Yeah, Vance. Yeah, Vance, one of the best in the NFL defensively for sure. So, what's what's the um, what's what's your, I guess, projection here with with Mickey, and what can he do in Lincoln? Well, I I tell you what. What do they What do they got this? Uh, recruiting coordinator. They've got and him as his passing game coordinator, uh, associate head coach, and wide receivers coach. Oh boy, they they filled that bill real good. Yeah, 
Um, Mickey Mickey knows the passing game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? Uh, he he he's been involved with that though uh, that offensive side of the ball for a long time. Mm-hmm. So uh, schemes, uh, offensive passing schemes ought to come easy. I wonder how they're going to mesh that with the running game in terms of who's going to coach it. You know what I mean? I wonder if Scotty will coach it. Well, that's interesting because you're still waiting on offensive line coach, running back coach, special teams. You've got Mickey, of course, with the passing game and wide receiver. I I don't know this, but I wonder if they're going to go with – all right, Mickey, you do, you handle the passing. Let's get an O-line coach, and it'll also be run yeah. game coordinator, and yeah, they kind of tag team it. That could be, yeah. No, um, uh, uh, Mickey's, when you sit down and listen to Mickey talk uh, in, in the coaches' meetings, he, he demands attention, you know what I mean? Because he's, he's, he knows the schemes. He understands where it's coming from. And while he was here, he saw what kind of offensive line you need to do it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We haven't seen that. Now, Jack, another one of the reasons why Mickey was brought in was because of his recruiting prowess. So I want to ask you, being the guy that recruited him, is it are you the reason that he is such a good recruiter? Did you rub off on him? And is does everything he know come from you? Oh God! <laughs> I hope nobody rubs off. I hope nobody gets any part of me like that. <laughs> oh, there's too many bad parts. Um, he's he he's, it's his personality. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He comes in there uh, from what I understand. Yeah, I've never been with him in a room to recruit, but uh, he comes in there and sh- shows basically what Tom told him. You know, this is what this is the kind of person you'll be in our scheme. You know what I mean? And I got to tell you guys that uh, uh, if we get a foothold in Louisiana again, I don't know that. I don't know that we won't rise. I, I've been skeptical about us making a quick rise to the mm-hmm. top. But uh, if he can if he can pull a bunch of kids. And I think that's how we got Mickey, too. Mm-hmm. We had a bunch of kids from South Louisiana. You guys made it a so, pri- priority to go down there. Jack, just from your time down south, is, is that where – how did you get your foothold in, in, in uh, New Orleans? We were fresh. We 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 hadn't been there before. I got to tell you, we played uh, Oklahoma that year and got beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the free safety had an interception, and he had about a dozen tackles. And he was from uh, he was from New Orleans, okay. Madonna High School. And uh, what was his name? I just tried Savoy. I think it was Savoy or something like that. And I told Tom we sat down and we wanted to. Add speed to the to the mixture at Nebraska, and I said, "Well, we don't ever go in there. We never go test it. You know, mm-hmm. we got to go in and test it." So prior to going in there physically, I did a lot of high school coach calling mm-hmm. and uh, talked to them and tried to get their feel whether they uh, whether they uh, whether they would think that one of their kids might ventured as far north. Yeah. And the first school I went to was the high school coach was Carol 
Dele Husse, first guy I ever met in Louisiana, coach, head coach, and Bo Bridge. And uh, God, they spoke different. They ate different. It just ask Brian Kelly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that's been a nightmare. That's what's going to happen with him. He's not going to be able to sit down and, when they show film and, and the high school coach says, who the ball got? <laughs> or who the ball caught? Yeah. You know? No, you got another yeah. lingo down there. Jack Pierce and with us. God, that was my problem, too, though. And I just said to him, there's a group of coaches, head coach and myself, sitting watching film. And one of the coaches said, who the ball got? And I, for a couple minutes, I sat there thinking, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> they got to they talk Jack. Jack, you're a, you're a treasure, yeah. bud. Thanks for jumping on with us today, man. You bet. You bet. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate you. And tell what? everybody I am alive. All right, we got <laughs> Jack Pierce with us. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's catch up with Jacob Padilla, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine, and of course, a couple of different podcasts uh, you can check out. Jacob, I uh, want to get your thoughts on Mickey Joseph real quick, specifically kind of his pedigree and that Nebraska receivers room. We, we've seen glimpses of some wow from Betts and Manning and some of the younger wide receivers. What's your excitement level with Mickey in town? Yeah, I think this is a home run move for Scott Frost. And really, I, I, you kind of wondered as this coaching search dragged on how likely that it was that Frost was going to be able to land kind of a wow name that the fans would be excited about. And I think Joseph is one of uh, is one such name, and not obviously the Nebraska connection helps there, but it's more his track record and where he comes from, and some of the players that he was able to coach uh, at LSU, uh, some of the best wide receivers in the country the last handful of years. So um, I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited about this move, particularly with some of the the, the talented younger players already on the team. And, and Xavier Betts, obviously, I think is uh, front and center in that conversation. So uh, we'll see kind of where the dust settles in terms of who's coming in, who's leaving. But I, I think Nebraska, this is a first, a good first move for Frost as he looks to, to fill out this coaching staff. Do you have a quick take on Adrian? Were you surprised at the decision? No, I don't think so. Um, I, it, it just kind of seemed like it, it had run its course with Adrian at Nebraska, just both in terms of um, kind of what they were able to do together and, and then kind of the, the kind of the wondering, all right, what, what else, what else is out there? What else could I potentially do in a different situation? And then Nebraska, I think is in the same deal where I think, I think 
Uh, Frost would have loved to have him back, I'm sure. But at the same time, I think he understands it, it just hasn't quite gone the way that they both thought it would when they first teamed up four years ago. Obviously, we saw all the pressure that he was constantly under this entire season, and uh, that's not, not really a fun environment for a quarterback to, to play in. So at, at this point, I think he, he gave his four years to Nebraska. He set all kinds of records. He got his degree. It, it's, it makes sense for him to, to go look elsewhere to see kind of, all right, what else can I do to kind of finish off this chapter of my life? You know, Nebraska's not going to go ultra-heavy with high school for 2022. Will they be able to, with a guy like Mickey Joseph, potentially uh, scour uh, the, the country? I know they're sending out offers, and they're uh, keeping in contact with some guys, hoping to find the next several tours. Yeah, and that, that's going to be the key. That's going to determine what this next season looks like in large part. I think it's kind of multifaceted here moving forward with the, these new staff members. One, can they retain and kind of maximize the talent already on the team, which is something that we just didn't really see the last couple of years. Obviously, Ture came to Nebraska as a finished product. We didn't really see a lot of interior development in terms of consistency uh, from the skill positions outside of some walk-ons in some cases. So you got to find some coaches that can get the most out of a guy like Xavier Betts that can figure out the running back rotation and establish kind of a clear leader in that uh, in that backfield that that's got to be one of the keys is all right we got to establish a firm hierarchy with our skill positions we've got to get our talented players on the field and contributing and then the other is all right who can we go out and add that are finished products that will help immediately with uh in the, the mold of a smory terrain because you look at nebraska's history with transfers during first four years here, and it's not super great. The only all-conference caliber player during that stretch was Connor Colt, and he's a guy that got benched this year and uh, had one of the, the worst uh, field goal rates, uh, conversion rates in, in the country. Um, so, And that's your biggest hit just in terms of all-conference honors. Toure was a very good player. He's definitely a hit, but still wasn't an all-Big Ten player considering the, the talent at that position in this league. So they're going to have to go out and really do their due diligence, find – they're not going to be able to get the, the biggest name transfers out there most likely. So they're going to have to really figure out, all right, who's a really good fit for what we want to do, who is a, a quality player that is looking for this opportunity that, that can really help us out, that, that we are able to establish a connection with and convince uh, that Lincoln is a, a good next step for them. So we'll, we'll see. That That's kind of the – that's kind of the situation that Frost has put himself in with putting all his eggs into the transfer basket, considering how much they have struggled to recruit uh, out of the high school ranks. Jacob, quickly before we get to basketball, we've seen some talent in this wide receiver room, but we also know that Mickey Joseph, he's going to have a great pitch to a lot of incoming wide receivers, being the coach of Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Do you think they need to go to the portal to replace Torrey, or can he be replaced from within this wide receivers room? I, I, unfortunately, I don't know the answer to that. That's gonna. That's probably job number one for Mickey Joseph is identifying and evaluating the talent already in his room and determining. All right, what do we need to, to make next next season successful? I think Xavier Betts has the tools to fill in and be that kind of not necessarily the same player, but in terms of making a big plays and, and racking up the yardage 
Uh, I, I think he can be that guy. I don't know if he's ready to will be ready to be that guy next season. So that's what they're going to have to determine. Can you just hope that the Mets can kind of step into that role next season as your big play threat? Well, uh, Omar Manning kind of takes the next step as kind of the in- intermediate guy, and then you kind of figure out the rest of the rotation. I think they're definitely they're looking for transfer uh, wide receivers right now. I think they're going to try uh, hard to, to land a difference maker at that position. We'll have to see kind of what the results are, but that, that is one of the big questions is, all right, they got to evaluate their own roster, the, the new guys coming in, and determine, okay, who, who can really help us next year with new eyes kind of in the position evaluating those guys, and where are they simply not talented enough to, to succeed? Jacob, what are you anticipating for Hoiberg and company tomorrow? Tip-off 11 against Indiana, a marathon against NC State that uh, Nebraska had their shots. Uh, can they can they turn it around and, and be competitive again tomorrow morning? Yeah, that's that's going to be really tough just by the nature of the way things set up with the, the four overtimes and what that has meant for the last two days where they took uh, Thursday off entirely, no practice. It was all a recovery day. And today they, they went through some light stuff. So it's going to be a lot of mental preparation for a, a talented team with one of the best big men in the country in Trace Jackson Davis, who's averaging 22 a game and shooting 67% from the field. Um, he is dunking everything in sight right now, and he's going to be tough to handle. And they've got some sharpshooters around him, too, that you have to be aware of. You can't necessarily just collapse everybody on the paint and expect to, to have success that way. So you're gonna, they're going to have to be very smart. They're going to have to be dialed in on their defensive scouting report to be able to both send the help that they need to, to slow down Jackson Davis while also not leaving the, their shooters wide open. Um, it's going to be a tough one. We'll see. I think that uh, they're in good spirits. I think they're trying to get the, the most they can out of that learning experience against NC State just mentally and emotionally. Uh, I think that they've moved forward, and uh, Harvard talked about how close they, were, they are to 7-1 right now. It's two possessions. Those go differently, and they could be sitting here with the Creighton loss as the only one uh, on their record right now. So it's, that's, going to be, that's going to be the key is can they keep dialing in more and more and not let these lapses happen that, that really cost them. Transition defense, um, defensive rebounding, and then shot selection. Those are the, the three big keys right now. And all those kind of showed up in that, that – you can call it a collapse because they were up 14 in that second half. And then bad shots, turnovers, runouts, bad transition defense, second chances. And just like that, the, the gap was eliminated in like three minutes. So um, this is a really uh, – if they're able to really hang in this and give them a really good game, whether they win or take them down to the wire, I think that will say a lot about this team's resiliency because you just look at the way that it's set up. It, is, it looks like a lot like a scheduled type loss. It totally does. There was some good and honestly some pleasant surprises for me watching them against NC State, not only going up like they did, but the ball movement. And uh, I know it wasn't a perfect shot selection night, but it wasn't as bad as it's been. So uh, I'll, take, I'll take that and run with it. Jacob, just a quick overview, high school hoops. Uh, who are some of the, uh, the teams you're watching here for, for this season? Yeah, the uh, third players to watch, and uh, I saw one of those last night in Connor Milliken at Platteview, who was one of the most productive players in the state as a sophomore, and it has picked up right where he left off with 33-11, 4-4, and 3 last night. 
uh, by my count, uh, in a win against uh, an Elkhorn North team that's looking to make a leap this year. So uh, Milken is worth the price of uh, admission by himself uh, in Class B. In Class A, I think it's going to be some of the same suspects despite uh, losing what they did. I think Miller North, Bellevue West, with uh, Jason Green at 26-10 and 10, uh, last night for Miller North. He's going to step into that starring role now with Hunter Salas and St. Thomas gone. And then we'll see Josiah Doser kind of step in at, at Bellevue West to, to run the show. I think he had 22-5 and five last night as well uh, in their season opening win, uh, kind of taking over the reins at the point guard position for, um, uh, for Chucky Hepburn, obviously. We also saw some game winners last night, which was pretty cool. Uh, Shout-out to my, guard, my guy uh, Carter Templemeyer at Lincoln East with a, a game winner with two seconds left at Elkhorn South. Uh, coached him last two years at OSA and a really, really, really good player. And then um, also Martell Evans for Creighton Prep with a game winner. They forced a turnover out at Grand Island, uh, took his length of the court and scored at the buzzer uh, to break a tie there. So, yeah, the first night in high school hoops uh, provided – uh, quite the excitement, and I'm looking forward to the rest of the season for sure. Jacob, uh, Husker Volleyball gets underway a little bit later tonight. You know, what's what's the ceiling here? Does Nebraska have it in it to, to get to a Final Four, or is the path too treacherous? They, they've, they've got the defensive potential for sure. And the, the way they've been serving and defending down the stretch of the season, that they, they can go toe-to-toe with anybody. It's going to come down to what they can do offensively and how much consistency they can get from their pin hitters and the entire op- operation as well. There's been some, some shoddy passings and some poor location on sets that have contributed to their low-hitting numbers. But at the end of the day, the, the pins have to go up and, and terminate. And that's something that they've struggled to do. Obviously, we've seen some stretches where each of them has looked good. Each of the five players that he's rotating now ha- have had their stretches of dominant play, but none of them have been able to sustain it long-term. And they've also struggled to get two, three, four of them going in the same game. So um, that's going to be the key is that will determine how far this team goes is what, what does the pin hitter position as a group uh, provide? Can, because defensively, they're going to hang around against anybody uh, they face. They just got to be able to score points on their side as well. You can find Jacob on Twitter at Jacob Padilla underscore. Get his uh, podcast on the Herd Ad Family Network, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Jacob, have a great weekend, man. Thanks for jumping on. Yep, talk to you guys soon. Hello, listener. This is Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, get everything we produce 10 issues of our monthly magazine our annual football yearbook and all of the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code gbr for ten dollars off a full year of hail varsity that's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe promo code gbr Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out on a Friday. Good stuff from Jacob Padilla. We got kicked off with an uh, incredible recruiter and uh, assistant coach, uh, the man who recruited Mickey Joseph to Lincoln. 
Jack Pierce with us at 406. So that'll be posted. It is on ESPN Lincoln Twitter, on ESPN Lincoln On Demand, ESPNLincoln.com. So uh, Jack is always awesome to chat with, get his take and his projection on Mickey back in Lincoln. And, uh, you know, Jack knows his football. Jack knows what the, the state of Louisiana has done and can do again just from a recruiting hub. Uh, for Nebraska football, you think of Seathan Carter and Stanley Morgan recently. And you can also uh, look at uh, some of the success Nebraska had with some all Big 8 performers back in the day. And uh, Jack told the story about the, uh, the, um, the, the, the fence, the barrier that was uh, put into to action so Mickey could sign at his high school. But yet Nebraska would not be breaking NCAA rules on site at the high school. You went to Southeast. I went to Southeast. And I kind of liken it to the old Smoker Hill. Remember that? We didn't have Smoker's Hill. What? Uh-uh. What happened to that? It became uh, Smoker's Corner. Oh, so like all the hundreds back in the day got moved off of the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. Okay. Forever, everyone would be on the sidewalk because it's public domain uh-huh. right well nebraska to and, and and jack were down there when mickey was signing beating out oklahoma for him and nebraska was technically not on school property yeah well it was it was the same at southeast i just I, the location may have changed in the years since the years <laughs> between you and me going to school it became that that the, corner the, the two decades <laughs> it was the, the corner across the street northwest of the school became smoker's corner and it, it really wasn't smoker's corner by the time i came around there it was vapor's corner yeah. What, How the what times a, have changed. What a change. <laughs> hey, buddy, got a camel? <laughs> no. no do, hey, do you man, have a vape pen? Hey, Don't man, vape. Hit my vape. <laughs> Don't vape. Your lungs will explode. Moving on. So, Nebraska, we'll, we'll hear from Cajun Kelly in a minute because he is the biggest fraud loser trying to uh, hype the crowd. Well, let's hear there. We'll get to where Nebraska's at in two seconds. Uh, in the portal and when it comes to scholarship offers. But but Brian Kelly last night at a basketball game. I remember when, when Bo came out and did the, the magic act at, at, at Devaney. There's been 400 coaches here. I remember when Frost came out with Tim Miles at PBA. Th- that's your moment, right? That's your moment to be introduced to the fan base that's not press conference uh, cleaned. You've got the mic. You can fire the crowd up, or you can bomb horribly. Thank you, thank you. Well, that's a great way to get started, and I haven't even won all my games yet. It's a great night to be a Tiger. I'm here with my family, and we are so oh, excited to be in the great state of Louisiana, but more importantly, to be with you great fans and to be part of what is going to be an incredible ride here at Louisiana State University. Brother, don't don't fake the twang. Don't fake the twang. Do we have his introductory press conference at Notre Dame? And I have him saying family two days ago to his team at Notre oh, Dame. Oh, okay. 
okay. followed up by him saying family in his uh, his his basketball okay. game last let's, night. Let's 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 hear the the twang. The, the twang first. Yes. My family. Okay. And now, would you like to hear uh, the uh, the two days ago telling his team uh, at Notre Dame that he was leaving? <laughs> the former family. My family. <laughs> my family. But if that is to, straight up Boston Kennedy right go, there. Gonna go back to back. My family. My family. <laughs> He's been killed all day on social media for this. Good luck sitting down in uh, in you know Forrest Gump country and hitting home. Other than hey, dude, I've won ball games. Come to LSU. I, That's I w- where Coach O was money. I, I will say though. Whenever you're around all those people with Southern Twang, especially you get a drink or two, and you, sometimes it just starts to come out. You don't even know you're doing it. I mean, my, my experience is down in Mississippi. I'm, oh. I, I'm just, I'm, this is me talking, this is me talking, this is me talking, this is me after two drinks. Right, right. <laughs> you turn into to wondering where Jen A is at. <laughs> he does sound like Forrest Gump when he says family. Does he not? Family. <laughs> Something. What Jack had a good point about you know the the, the hill Kelly's got to climb, uh, but the, you know there's a mountain of money uh, behind it. So Nebraska uh, got uh, Mickey Joseph in the fold. That's official today, and uh, they've got uh, a lot of offers to go push when it comes to transfer targets. Uh, double digits this week. Here's some new targets. And Butch Davis's crew is uh, under the, uh, the spotlight. Butch Davis at Florida International is no more. Butch Davis has recruited well and had good lines of scrimmage wherever he's been. And the fact he w- was back at Florida International because of his North Carolina sins is what it is. But Butch Davis is not going to recruit slouches. So Nebraska's been there. Let's get you some some high school names. Elijah Griffin, Greg Smith, HaleVarsity.com. Please follow him at GregSmithHV on Twitter and and HaleVarsity.com for the latest on on this recruiting whirlwind here uh, for signing day in uh, the the 15th. So Elijah Griffin, name to keep on – your radar here, Shamandad College Prep in St. Louis. Uh, he has got interest in Nebraska. More time to evaluate uh, for Nebraska, but also Kansas and Kentucky are interested. Uh, you've got the primary guy in Travis Fisher. M- Mickey Joseph coming on boards. Doesn't suck. Uh, you have Florida International receiver Tyrese Chambers, 61185. Uh, he's a guy that's um, uh, been at Fort Scott. Uh, you had Sean Becton down seeing him today. Miles Frazier, he's a left tackle, offensive lineman. 6'5", 300 uh, from Jersey. He has 30 offers since he's on the free agent market. That's Ole Miss and Iowa State. They saw him. He has three years to play ball. And I saw the highlights of this kid, Isaiah Garcia Castanita. Uh, he has got a couple of years to play. Uh, New Mexico State, he's kind of a nice, thick, uh, Shaviska, uh, Chenault type type body type that, that has like a sixth gear. I saw on a couple of tunnel screens, uh, Minnesota, Utah, Iowa State after him. Basically, if Coach Campbell and Coach Leopold are offering, go get them. <laughs> okay? It's as simple as that. You have Timmy uh, Bleakroad 
is the kicker from Furman. Nebraska, yes, is in on a kicker. So you got some Florida international kids. You've got some JUCO. You've got some high school. And you've got a whirlwind, which is a good thing for Nebraska to try and kind of beef up going into 2022. They've got good receivers. They've got young receivers. And then they need some of that that two-ray magic come where guy can come in. Yes, guy can come in and play ball. We'll wind down Hour 1. Tale Varsity were presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour. Bill Dolman, proud of Fairbury, NBC Sports, coming up in 10 minutes. And then our Michigan insider will check in with Greg Hansen. He is fresh off of that Snowfest, that Snow Globe game in Ann Arbor against Ohio State. Does Michigan have enough to whack Iowa, or is it the Hawkeyes that win a Big Ten? Do they do they get one for the West? <laughs> Finally. So we'll check in with him. And, you know, it's been a, a talking point, too, uh, some of the parallels. Can it happen? Can, can Nebraska, after offensive staff changes – and a pay reduction, can they pull a Michigan in 2022? Well, it starts with the right assistance, and Mickey Joseph uh, may be one of those guys that will help flip things for Nebraska. Reminder about financial health, Ferris Financial Group, their goal to educate, coach, and help you work towards investment goals. They specialize in investment strategy and can help with budgeting and planning uh, that uh, retirement when it comes to future plans. And they're there also when it comes to finances for you in times of transition, whether you're starting a new job or going through a job change and anywhere in between. Give uh, Marcus Schmidt a call today with Ferris Financial Group, 402-525-6824, Marcus.Schmidt at LPL.com. You can reach him at Ferris Financial Group. Arrow Brokerage, also incredible when it comes to local real estate uh, service, when it comes to investment. And uh, they are a, a local team that's so talented when it comes to helping clients in all faculties of real estate. That's buying, selling, staging, investing, and more. Uh, and be sure to get in contact with Jenny Limbach, a broker with uh, Arrow Brokerage, Arrow Capital, or realtor Marcus Schmidt. can email brokerage at arrowlincoln.com. The website to visit arrowlincoln.com backslash brokerage. Facebook at Arrow LNK and Instagram at Arrow underscore LNK. Are we, uh, we may or may not have Clausburn. Well, I mean, we're going to do the forecast, but we got to figure out just what happens with his voice. If he's going to hammer enough bourbon between now and 540 or not. I'm a little sad he's under the weather. But you swallow that many balloons and try and cross the border, there is there tends to be some esophageal issues. Yeah, you, your body's just not meant to consume that much latex. <laughs> Spoken. You're just all, you're, you're full of it today in a great way between... <laughs> Vape Corner versus Smoker's Hill uh-huh. at Southeast. The, the technology has changed, and it's all in reference to uh, public domain. Mm-hmm. The sidewalk is for everybody, i.e., uh, to uh, skirt recruiting rules and NCAA regulations 
when they signed Mickey Joseph, Nebraska able to stand on a barred uh, a barrier away from a barrier away from school property, school grounds. Well, now that you mention it, we don't know, Claus. Maybe the the whole crossing the border story was bogus, and he's just got vapors cough, vapors lung going. Oh, so he's just he's turning into popcorn on each side. Mm-hmm. That still wows me that. That's still a thing. What the smokers' corn vape? No, vape. vape. Oh, it's it's crazy. You gotta, oh, like, guys, your age. You gotta like back when I was in high school. I was like, oh, you smoke cigarettes? That's gross. Here, <laughs> have this vape. <laughs> Try this. Kurtzer emails in. Uh, he wants you to to figure out how Nebraska gets six or more wins next year. He wants that exercise in football. We'll see if it happens. Bill Dolman's on the way. <laughs> Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's Hale Varsity dot com backslash subscribe promo code gbr welcome to hail varsity radio the voice of husker nation insight opinion expertise with the biggest and best names talking nebraska across the state join the show on twitter at hail varsity and at schmitz underscore radio call in at 402-466 espn or 1-800-825-5865 here's chris schmitz Thanks for spending time. Great to be with you. Hour two Friday. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Greg Hansen, Michigan Insider. Uh, get his take on uh, the Nebraska-Michigan potential parallels uh, with uh, Michigan uh, set to go in Indy against Iowa. Uh, good stuff from Jack Pierce to kick us off in hour one on Mickey Joseph, uh, the pride of Fairbury. And find him on Twitter at Bill Dolman. Billy D, how's your week? What's up? Well, how you all doing? I'm doing just fine. Uh, learning how to talk like Brian Kelly, like everybody else is now that he's down south. <laughs> that was bad. We had the the Cajun Kelly segment just a moment ago, where <laughs> we uh, we played family in South Bend. How it sounds, and uh, at and and how family sounds at Pistol Pete Arena. Uh, when there's <laughs> 17,000 Cajuns staring at you saying, you can do it. Yeah, my, my, one of my favorite memes uh, over the last couple of days is uh, somebody posted that he's going to start sounding like the nipple ring guy with the overalls and the water boy. That's what that's what uh, I was just trying to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just surprised he didn't wear a washboard and come out to Buckwheat Zydeco, uh, as, as fraudulent and as phony as that was. So well, that's, that's a bad fit. But anyway. At least there weren't any banjos. <laughs> no, no, Bill, tell me, if the SEC network swooped in and said, we'll give you $100 million over a 10-year contract, but you have to talk in a southern accent, you'd do it too, wouldn't you? Oh, I'd be there before the uh, hung up the phone. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not afraid to sell myself out. Come on. <laughs> Pretty good. Bill, a bit of busy week. Want to start with the, the Mickey Joseph news. Uh, official today around noon or so, a little beforehand. Uh, so... There needs to be some consistency with Nebraska's offense. Coach Frost has been able to 
find some talent, but but not necessarily keep talent uh, and find that consistency. While it's not an O-line coach, Mickey's resume and development speak for itself. He's coached a lot of years, man. Uh, what do you remember about Mickey? What do you think about the hire? Is, is this going to be immediate? I don't doubt that Mickey Joseph can coach and make Nebraska better. Can he do it uh, in 2022? Well, I think Mickey's to be congratulated uh, as a guy who has, has certainly paid his dues in the in the coaching ranks. He's coached, I think, every single school, high school and college in the state of Louisiana at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he's missing Louisiana U and Centenary. Maybe is the only colleges he hasn't coached at uh, uh, in the state. But look, he started at Omaha North. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, this is what he wanted to do, so he set out to learn how to do it and went to Wayne State and uh, made his mark, you know, but like I said, at a ton of different schools down south. So I think when, if anybody's kind of followed that, and I like to follow the, you know, the coaching carousels and the trails, you know, you, you see that he has been willing to go where the opportunity is to better himself and better the student athletes around him, you know, all corn state and grambling uh, prominent uh, HBCU schools, but not a lot of resources. Um, went to Louisiana Tech, uh, spent a little time at Tulane, and then, you know, kind of got rewarded for all of his efforts by getting the opportunity at, at LSU and with that, you know, great team that Ed Orgeron had two years ago and unfortunately part of the fallout this year, although I think he's getting paid. Um, but Mickey's paid his coaching dues, and you have to respect him for that. And uh, hopefully all of that and all those connections and all of that experience, uh, you know, pays off now that he's getting, you know, another great opportunity to be at Nebraska. And he's got a big title. I mean, not just assistant head coach, but associate head coach and passing game coordinator. And, uh, you know, Nebraska will certainly utilize, you know, all of the connections that he has made in the coaching profession. And I think not, not only should people, you know, like us respect the job that he has done, but I think other coaches, especially down south in the fertile recruiting grounds, will look at Mickey and, and can relate to him and also respect that he has done it, you know, by going every step of the way and working toward the positions that he's gotten. And when you have the respect of those coaches and the relationships built, that's where the recruiting really starts to pay off. So you might start seeing an influx of, you know, great talent, which Nebraska's had over the years out of Louisiana and in, in the South, and not just Mickey from Marrero, um, you know, but, you know, Leroy Etienne and Reggie Cooper and Neil Smith, uh, you know, Cedric Collins all came out of the Louisiana era. So, you know, Nebraska's got a chance to tap into that pipeline again. Influx of talent, and then Stanley Morgan, Seathan Carter, recent Louisianans, uh, Kyron, uh, of course, uh, also, so and, and Bo hit Louisiana quite a bit as well. So Nebraska is not unfamiliar down there. You you factor in the the, the southern talent. You can kind of go tap back into Bill, but also talent in the room. When you look at a Betts and a Manning and uh, some of the wideouts that that have been freshmen or redshirt freshmen. I mean, Mickey's Mickey's had dudes go to the league, but they weren't. They weren't household guys. I mean, some of them were, were three, four, five stars, but some of them weren't. I mean, he he's done a, as good a job at developing that talent as just finding it. You know, I, I, was, I was kind of thinking about this. You know, it's not as though you're coming to uh, Nebraska of of yesterday, which 
don't get me wrong, I thoroughly respect those guys who played receiver at Nebraska and you know created an, an efficient, maybe not spectacular passing game, but an efficient passing game. He's not going to be working with you know Reggie Ball and uh, Brendan Holbein and guys guys like that. The great Aaron Davis, um, you know, he's he will have some receivers that are big, uh, fast and maybe more in line with what he's coached at LSU than the kind of receivers he was throwing to when he was at Nebraska. So, you know, there that certainly helps. And let me go back, you know, something else kind of struck me uh, as I was having a brilliant thought just a moment ago. I would bet that that performance by Brian Kelly at the Maravich Center could do more harm than good <laughs> with those. I'm, I'm serious with, with those Louisiana high school coaches and Southern coaches who, who get this guy to come in and he's been panned uh, g- greatly over the last 12 hours for that performance that you're going to come in and you're going to start talking like them to endear yourself to them. They're going to smell a fraud. It's like going into Texas high schools and, and not being able to relate. Um, and I think Brian Kelly probably, you know, took tried to put a step forward and took two or three steps back because people are going to be like, who's this guy? He truly is not one of us because, you know, people look at this, a Massachusetts guy who's been in Michigan and Cincinnati and Notre Dame, and now you're going to come down here and think that you're just going to come in and get the best players? This guy, Mickey Joseph, you know, busted his ass to get to the position that he is, and he's one of us, and we respect him, and we're more in line to have a conversation with him right now than we are with you. And we don't even know. Who else are you going to bring in that's going to be, you know, a fraud? Um, I, I think it's significant. I mean, Kelly's Boston Kennedy is what he is. It's what he sounds like. <laughs> it's yeah. all right. It's all right. But don't don't pretend he can flip a switch. And you're right on with the fraud part. Let's uh, switch gears and talk about Adrian Martinez off to the portal. Um, I w- this is all I'm going to say. And and there, a divorce needed to happen. Nebraska needs to have a quarterback without a quarterback room without Adrian. See what they can do. Adrian needs to go play for a, a team that can keep him alive. Uh, <laughs> that that said, everybody under the sun, teammates, administrators, ads, put out. You're a warrior. God bless. Thank you. I have not seen a statement at all from the head coach, Scott Frost. Am I wrong to think maybe the exit interview got a little tense? Well, let's put it this way. You know, Scott's busy. Uh, he ought to be pretty busy right now. Um, you know, and, and Scott has, I think, I would not be reading between the lines. Maybe there are lines to be read between. Um, but, but there's a lot going on with that Nebraska football program right now. Scott has talked at length over the last four plus years about Adrian Martinez. Um, you know, I, I, I don't recall that you have a lot of statements about players who put their names in the transfer portal. Is it because this is such a unique relationship that maybe you would expect one? I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to read into it. Um, you know, Adrian, Adrian is walking into a situation uh, you may or may not have followed this in the last two hours or whatever it is, four hours. Uh, Kansas State fired its offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. who was one of um, you know is it Chris Kleeman, uh, their their head coach. Yes, um, his long his boyhood best friend has been with him every step of the way in his coaching career apparently, and gave him his walking papers this morning. So he's leaving Nebraska with uncertainty at the offensive coordinator position to go to Kansas State, where there is now after Adrian I guess signed his papers. I don't know how it works, but 
there's no offensive coordinator at Kansas State. So, again, I go back to Scott's kind of busy right now because in addition to now Kansas State looking for an O.C., Colorado's looking for an O.C., not that anybody out here in Colorado even knows that, uh, but they're looking for an offensive coordinator. Auburn is looking for an offensive coordinator. Indiana, Minnesota. Um, in, in addition to all of the other coaching positions that are still open, you know, Oklahoma's going to be looking for one. Uh, Virginia's now going to be looking for one. Florida. And who knows what's going on with Manny Diaz, Miami, and Oregon. I mean, there are a lot of assistant coaches that are on the edge of their seats wondering, am I still going to have a job? Uh, where can I go? And, and some of them might have their, their pick. You know, they're just waiting for Oklahoma to call. Or Clemson, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, the Virginia thing caught everybody by surprise. Uh you know, how attractive are some of these jobs? I, I maintain I don't think Miami can be as nearly attractive for Mario Cristobal and whatever staff he'd bring down compared to what they can do at Miami where people actually still go to games as opposed to Miami. I don't. I thought Manny Diaz was going to excite people. But anyway, um, there are a lot of jobs and assistant coaching jobs that are open right now, and I think, you know, Scott's got that on his plate. I think Klein's going to get the nod, the, old, the former K-State quarterback. Uh, I think he'll, I think he'll get bumped to the OC, and I think he's probably already been working on Adrian to be a little bit closer to his girlfriend down there. Well, but keep this in mind too with Adrian Martinez. It, it, he has played with I think virtually every injury outside of the last reported hip pointer. I think was in 1989. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember, he used to get hip pointers all the time. Uh, Adrian has had every possible injury there is. The shoulder surgery, as I believe I read it, four to six months of recovery time. So he's going to miss spring ball in all likelihood at Kansas State. And then you're going to go into the, uh, into the fall. What, how healthy are you? What kind of hits can you take? What's he going to have around him? Um, I, I think, look, anytime you transfer, there's a lot of questions. But there are going to be a lot of questions for, for Adrian next year. And I think everybody in Nebraska – Wishes him well. I think, you know, they, he certainly took some shots from the vocal, you know, 2%. Mm-hmm. But I think for the most people, the most part, people really appreciate the way he conducted himself, represented himself in the university. Um, his family certainly was welcome at Nebraska. I, I think, you know, despite its tumult, it was a good relationship for Nebraska with Adrian Martinez. And now you move on, and hopefully Nebraska has loyalty to Logan Smothers and Heinrich Harburg and whoever else is in the program. And I know they've got an eye on the transfer portal, but you'd hope that there's some loyalty to who you brought in and to make sure that you develop them right and give them, give them the first opportunity before you really start bringing somebody in and promising jobs. Bill, what do you think? From what you saw in the Iowa game, is, is Logan Smothers ready to take the reins of this offense, or do you think a transfer quarterback would be in the best interest of the offense for next season? I don't think Tom Brady entered the transfer portal. So, uh, you know, how do you know that what you're going to get in the transfer portal for a year is, is going to be the guy in that offense? Um, I thought Logan Smothers looked really good, especially running, you know, the option, which everybody should know by now that I love. As a fast kid, uh, took a couple hits, uh, played heady football, had a mistake at the end, whether that was his fault on the pass or not. You know, it happened. Uh, but I think what people saw to him was that he's a gamer, and I hope that he takes a lot of positives out of that Iowa game because I certainly did watching him play. Bill, a couple minutes here. Your synopsis on 
the earthquake that was the coaching carousel this week? You know, I I think as much as I like to watch it, and it's amazing to me how it how it goes round and round and round every year. This to me, in terms of college football coaching, is reminiscent of conference realignment in 2010 and 11. Uh, Nebraska going to the Big Ten, A and M to the SEC, all of that kind of stuff. Just just the the big moves that were made, um, the big money that just is. Uh, polluting, I think the game being. I'm, I'm a capitalist, but Jay, some of the amount of money that you're giving out to Brian Kelly and it's just ridiculous. Or how much guys are getting to stay home, uh, and apparently Cristobal is getting a fat contract to sign after the game tonight against Utah. Um, it, 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 I think it's really polluting the game. But I think with all the moves and again the, the assistant coaching moves that are going to be made in the next uh, couple weeks, uh, it's it's a major major shift, and I'm glad. That, that Nebraska is not in it. You know, whatever you think of bringing Scott back or not, uh, I'm glad he's back. I think the schedule is more user-friendly for next year. But I think Trev made a smart decision to, to at least look at this landscape and go, there's some seismic shifting going on and a lot of movement. Let's sit this one out. You know, I, Matt Campbell's name might fade a little bit, and they certainly have a situation at Iowa State with Jamie Pollard now announcing that he has cancer, their athletic director. Matt Campbell might be uh, inclined to be loyal to, to ISU even more. Um, but I think Nebraska's best to, like, put the cards on the table, fold, and let's come back if we need to at another time. Hopefully we don't. But I, I, this has been uh, as crazy a time as I've seen in college changes, co- coaching changes, as it was with conference realignment. And probably not done yet, you know. Bill Dolman, I, I, I wish coaches were more honest. Lincoln Riley saying I didn't talk to him until sun, sun, Saturday night, Sunday morning. That doesn't fly either. No. That's, Sept- that's as phony as Brian Kelly's accent. Bill, we'll check in next week, brother. Have a good weekend, and thanks for jumping on. All right, go Big Red, and uh, hopefully the Huskers do well against Indiana, not that the NC State game is over. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a caught preteen Swedish boy. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Uh, time to check in with our Michigan insider and... Man, he's smiling. That, that snow was melting off of him in Ann Arbor last weekend. <laughs> Greg Henson with us. Greg, it is so good to talk with you again. Last time was before Nebraska-Michigan. We've fast-forwarded the championship weekend. Man, you still got to be smiling. You're a, you're a proud Michigan guy, and uh, you, you got with t- together with all your, your friends and family, and you saw one white whale of a game. Did you make it down to the field, or did you just watch from afar against Ohio State? 
I just sent my 18-year-old down, and he did the Russians by proxy for me. Um, <laughs> and he really wanted to go down, so I said, go ahead. And uh, So he went down and enjoyed that. But I'll tell you, man, it was cold, and it was rainy, and it was snowy, and it didn't matter. Uh, it was just a really great atmosphere for college football, which Nebraska has, too. It's just been a while since they've been able to do what Michigan did. And it's been a while for Michigan, too, but... You know, I got to be honest with you. When I when I saw how it turned out after what happened with Harbaugh in the off season, where he took less money to stay, turned to say, he turned over his coaching staff. It, it 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 really. I'm hoping it bodes the same for Nebraska, because I, I know a lot of people are frustrated with Frost, but man, you guys have lost like 80 games by six points <laughs> total. I feel like. I feel like every time you guys lose, it's a mistake, and mm. and it's close. I feel like, don't you, or are you just not? Down? No, you're you're right on it, and and that's the the maddening part, where stop making mistakes, right? And a lot of them are the the same mistakes. It's special teams. It's attention to detail, and Greg, you know, I you're you're so close on the scoreboard that. Do you do you hit reset and and go back to start on the monopoly board, or do you kind of kind of hang on and and stay where you're at on on the uh, the game board and hopefully roll th- that winner and make your way around, right? And uh, I, I think you got to. I think they did the smart mm-hmm. thing. I really do. Well, it's it's t- in hindsight, so 2020 right now. Imagine trying to go get who you want and not settle with the coaching carousel is crazy. Uh, as it's been since last Monday. I mean, think about think and, about being in that that line to try and get someone that's better and can get you to the next level when all these blue bloods that are currently winning uh, are in line to get their next coach. And that's why I think Nebraska did the right thing. That's why I think Michigan did the right thing. Unless you want to play that game every year, you better find someone who has some type of an attachment to your university. Frost does. Harbaugh does, and I think that's the way you got to go about it. Otherwise, every other year, Notre Dame and Oklahoma are no longer destination jobs. I don't know what world we're living in, but you better have some other type of attachment than money. And to see Harbaugh donate all his bonus money to the staff members that took pay cuts during COVID tells you he's not, for lack of a better term, he's not a a money grubber. Mm -hmm. He's not a whore. He's not going to run off to the next job, and neither is Scott Frost. So if I'm Nebraska, I'm pulling for a Harbaugh-type turnaround next year out there just because he'll be there. You can count on Frost to be there if they can win. Greg Henson's with us, Michigan Insider, Hale Varsity Radio, the uh, Hawkeyes and the Wolverines in Indy. So Harbaugh changed his assistants. He's had good assistants there. He's found the mm-hmm. right assistants and, and you also have some guys that were ballyhooed that have really delivered as they've continued to develop. And there's been a lot of turnover on his staffs. But what, what is it about this staff that when, when he put it together after his restructuring? Were you confident that it could be kind of a breakthrough year with his changes? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because they were brought, here's the thing, they were brought in, and Harbaugh's had good staffs, and a lot of them have left for better jobs. I mean, he's had to fire a couple guys, but he's also had guys go on like Jet Fish to be head coaches elsewhere, and um, Tyrone Wheatley got his own program. Um, but I think, I, I was, 
I think the jury's still out on this staff as a whole because they still have to close in recruiting, and that's why they were brought in. These guys were supposed to be excellent recruiters, and so far, so far, and I'm saying they could close strong, they're just okay. Now, I grant, I understand it's the first year of them recruiting, and next year we'll probably tell the story more, but, you know, as far as the exit and go, I, th- I think it brought a different energy was the upside. You got Mike Hart, who I think is probably the heir apparent, if, if all goes well, you know, down the road to be the next head coach of Michigan. Uh, uh, you got Ronald Bellamy, who was a Michigan player, who was a successful high school coach. And, and, you, and you got Klingscale, who's a great recruiter and who's taken big-time players out of the city of Detroit. These guys have to, play, have to not only be good coaches, which I think they've done a nice job of, but they've got to be great recruiters because that's why they were brought in to bring energy to the recruiting game. And right now they're sitting at 16th. So, you know, you got to you got to see some some better recruiting, and it may not pay dividends till next year. But you know, I don't compare last year to this year because last year was COVID. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, the improvement by some of the players could have just been a year older. You know, mm-hmm. the cornerbacks like Gray and Turner; those guys have really stepped up into their own. Greg, uh, aside from Ohio State, it's really felt like teams can only find one year of success in the Big Ten. That's how it's felt for about the past five years. When you look at Minnesota, they popped for one year, and then they kind of regressed back to the mean. You know, Indiana, they popped for a year and regressed back to the mean. And we're, the, the, the jury's still out on Michigan and Michigan State this season. But do you think that's the new normal in the Big Ten is uh, you work your way up for, for one good year, one year of competing for maybe a college football playoff spot, and then regress back to uh, uh, an average 9-3, and 8-4 and four type football season? Is that what we can expect in the Big Ten moving forward? Well, I definitely still think Ohio State is the class of the Big Ten still uh, until uh, until proven otherwise. But I do think um, it's going to be top-end talent for Michigan and Penn State. I just don't know that Penn State's going to ever be able to win big with Franklin as their head coach. But I think this was a bit of a breakthrough for Michigan, and I do think they kind of have a blueprint now to beat Ohio State on a more regular basis. I never really – there's, you know, there's ultimately only going to be three or four Big Ten teams. The ones in the West obviously aren't an issue because they're a different division. So it's still going to be Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State in the East. And I do think something has changed for Michigan because I think Harbaugh is a coach on the same level as Ryan Day, and he just finally proved it. So, I mean, he is the only coach in the Big Ten who's beaten Ryan Day, which is a shocking fact, but it's true. What's your feel with with Michigan State, is this uh, Mel's going to at worst be seven and five? So let's lock that up in, in East Lansing, or could he keep this momentum going? Could it be uh, a situation where you're going to have both teams in Michigan year in year out ten and two? I'm not really thinking Ohio, Michigan State can keep it up because their recruiting does lag. I don't expect him to be able to hit the transfer portal the way he did this year with a couple of guys. Um, I think, you know, you got a guy who's, what, two games over 500 at Michigan State and he's getting $9.5 million. I'm not sold on that yet. I think they were beaten by Michigan and Michigan blew it. Um, and I don't expect it to be something that's long, that's going to be sustainable in East Lansing. I'm shocked, frankly, that he did not leave. Um, because it's going to be so hard for him to compete recruiting-wise. You can see he's, you know, he's, not, he's not doing a great job recruiting as it is. So yeah, the jury's still very much yeah. out on Mel Tucker. The Michigan blueprint, do you anticipate more 
heavy tight end formations, ground and pound, play action, get somebody that's – and I think McNamara really against Nebraska kind of came into his own. He made some big throws, gained confidence from that win in Lincoln. And and he – I know there was the fumble against Sparty. But overall, I thought, I thought Harbaugh finally has his guy he can ride with that's younger, and you can really see him blossom as young as he is. But just from a, from a plan standpoint, I mean, this has got to be the offense Jim wants and, and feels good with. And then they, they were so good defensively. And, and I, I, I was too chicken last week to call the Michigan. I had the Michigan outright win, and then I dialed it back to the cover. All right, last minute. <laughs> I talked him out of it. You, you did. I got the craziest look from Elijah. He's like, dude, we need the drug test you already. <laughs> you know? And, well, you know, it's funny. As I was walking in, Schmitty, I said to my kid, he's 18, I said, man, today feels a lot like 97. And there's a lot of parallels. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, the last time they lost a captain in the first week, they won the national title. The, the weather was the same. The defensive, you know, having dominant defensive ends mm-hmm. um, and a defensive line that plays that way was the same. Having a game manager as a quarterback is the same. I mean, there were a lot of parallels for me walking into that game. You know, I thought they had a shot. I really did. And um, I'm like you, though. I was out. I wouldn't open my mouth and say <laughs> it, but I kind of felt like that. I only said it to my kids. But 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 I did have a really good feeling going in. And after they scored, after they got picked off, I thought, well, this is going to tell the story because they had the momentum, could have gone up two touchdowns and, and blew it. But Aiden Hutchinson and Ojabo weren't having it. And, and you know, the bottom line is the, the, this is a different team. They're tough. They're more focused. And I think I think that's kind of where – the rubber hit the road for Michigan. But, yeah, I, I, the, the blueprint is, and I don't know why Harbaugh went away with it because in his first year he won 10 games grounded and pounded. Yeah. Why not just get better at it? Oh, I know. And it seemed like uh, you had quarterback merry-go-round. You had all these four- and five-star dudes come in, mm-hmm. they quarterback, and then they all transfer out. But, no, I like, I like McNamara, and I like your one-two punch at running back. And then your defense has been – Incredible! They've been game wreckers all year. So let's fast forward to Indy. We started the season in Indy at Big Ten Media Days on the 50. Now you get to uh, to be back there. Do you like the uh, the matchup against Iowa? Does Iowa somehow hang around? The, the line's 11. How you feeling for Saturday night? Uh, you never feel good when you're playing Iowa. I'm not sure if you feel that way, too. Because I was going to hang Not around recently. <laughs> Have you guys handled them recently or no? They've lost seven in a row and blew a 15-point lead to that offense last Friday. Oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> well, my thought is is uh, don't let Iowa hang around because they will try to they, – they'll be opportunistic. The problem Iowa's going to have is um, they run the ball well. That's all they do well on offense. And Michigan is a good run-stuffing team. And Michigan can run the ball. They can throw the ball. They're pretty balanced attack. I don't know how Iowa scores enough points to win, to be honest with you. Um, but I'm a big fan of Iowa. I always am. And I know their history for pulling up since against Michigan. So that should be something that's in the back of everybody's mind. But I still don't think there's going to be enough there to beat Michigan in the end. And if Michigan lost, it would be a very Michigan way to blow it, wouldn't it? <laughs> that would be the, the the downer that you guys don't need. I want to see you against Georgia in the college football playoff, uh, just, just from the sheer matchup standpoint. Greg Henson, Michigan Insider with us. Greg, enjoy your, your football weekend, man. It was great to get caught up. 
All right, you too, man. Take care, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Good to talk some uh, Michigan, Iowa. Get some perspective on kind of a revamp for Nebraska in 2022. How it worked for Harbaugh in 2021. Jack Pierce kicked us off in hour one. He recruited Mickey Joseph. Some insight on what Mickey can bring to the Big Red. Bill Dolman with us. Uh, Jacob Padilla. It is that time. We love doing this uh, throughout the football season and beyond. He's imaginary. He wears red and it started well, 10 years ago. Uh, 10 years plus when we started doing uh, Clausburn's holiday wish list, it's turned and morphed into the Friday forecast. We continue on. We say hi to Clausburn, who's been playing hurt all week. Uh, Claus, you doing better? You feeling a little bit, well, more, uh, more yourself opposed to being under the weather? Thanks for joining us. Well, I, I feel pretty good right now. As you said, I have been under the weather this past week. In fact, it got so bad at one point. I uh, revisited history a little bit, promised one of my elves that in seven years, if I wasn't any better, he could have my job without <laughs> Bill Burns' permission. So that's if that's any indication of how bad it went, that's that's what my week was. One of my elves? That is nice. It's pretty good. Let's, uh, let's get into the forecast on Hail Varsity Radio. Maybe. So... We are off to the Pac-12 title game in Vegas. That'll be interesting. Mario's won even if he loses tonight because Uncle Phil said, here's a blank check, don't go to Miami. Lines uh, three now, it went up a half a point. Utah was favored by three and a half two weeks ago and drilled Oregon. Tough to beat a team twice. I don't like Oregon's quarterback play. And I like Utah's toughness and defense. I think Utah gets them again. Not a blowout, neutral field. But give me a Utah win over Oregon. And they'll do it by a touchdown, uh, 28-21. That's where I'm at, Elijah. Yeah, Oregon, it really felt like had one of their worst performances of the season against Utah. I don't think that happens again. And as you said, it's tough to beat a team twice. This Oregon team has quality. Uh, and I, I'm with you, though, that their downfall is quarterback play. But I think they do enough, especially defensively tonight, uh, to get the win. And I say Oregon gets an outright win over Utah tonight, 30-27. to So you think they went outright. All right. 31-point win just back on the 20th of November. Claus, what happens here, Oregon or Utah? Well, it's kind of funny because after all of these years of really sustained success for Oregon, whenever I think of Oregon, I still really don't think football power. I mostly think about dying of dysentery along the trail. (laughs) 
But I have to say, they have been there before, and I don't see Utah as quite having that experience. And I think Oregon's going to be ready. I think it's going to be tight. I think they'll win it late, but Oregon wins 24 and Utah 21. Good pick. All right, let's move on to the Big 12 title game. The Dr. Pepper Championship line has moved up a half a point, and that is Oklahoma State uh, minus six. Baylor held the 14 points by that Oklahoma State defense the first time. 24-14 win by the Cowboys. They're coming off Bedlam, where the second half was... Kind of touch and go for both teams. It got so bad that Lincoln went to USC. Uh, I think uh, Oklahoma State here gets it done again. I think they they get the season sweep and uh, a little bit more offense uh, against a good Baylor defense. 27 to uh, 21. I know that's a, a cop out, but I think this thing's more likely to be a push. Uh, and I think that's where they head. But I think Oklahoma State keeps their uh, their BCS, their playoff, their Final Four hopes alive. I think it's a push, but I think Oklahoma State wins outright. Yeah, and I'm with you on this one. Uh, I think Oklahoma State knows they need a good performance day to have their uh, their hopes of college football playoff uh, to to still be there for them uh, for the taking after this game. So uh, I think Oklahoma State comes out and plays well. Danny said yesterday on the show he's thinking under. I'm thinking over as I have Oklahoma State winning 27 to 20 over, but Oklahoma State covers. All right, what do we have, Claus? Here, the orange and black or the Sikkim Baylor Bears. Well, as you boys know, it's been quite a crazy uh, coaching carousel this offseason. And one name I heard brought up a lot, but apparently is not moving, is Dave Aranda of Baylor. And he said maybe uh, that Baylor was the perfect fit for him, his quirky leadership style. And that makes sense because usually someone with an odd leadership style named David doesn't come out of Waco. <laughs> so I believe that Oklahoma State will win this game despite Dave Aranda sticking around 31 and 27. I just got the joke. Right. Brace the video <laughs> joke. Clausburn off the top rope. Well, let's head to the SEC championship game. Georgia, Bama, Saban's never dog. They are this weekend down at the Mercedes-Benz Dome. Six and a half. Ugga is favored. Elijah, what do you think? I think Georgia hasn't faced a, a real big test since early in the season. I look back to that Arkansas game, and they, they showed up well, but they never had to play Alabama, especially an Alabama team that knows they need a win to keep their playoff hopes alive. So I think Alabama comes out with their hair on fire. I don't think they win. Uh, I think Georgia's defense is just a little bit too good, but I think Bama does cover the 6.5. Give me uh, Georgia winning this one at 24-21, to 21, a close win for Georgia. Georgia's been a bit of an afterthought offensively. They've just kind of hummed along. It's all good. Bennett's been very steady, but not even 2,000 yards passing. Uh, White, their eye back, under 700 yards. Bowers, he doesn't even have a... Georgia doesn't have a 1,000-yard rusher or receiver. It's been all about that defensive line. I think Bryce Young does enough. Saban's been underdog the last five... The last five times he's been underdog, he's won outright. Give me Bama. Outright, low-scoring, 24-21, the Tide get back into the playoffs. Claus, what do you say? Well, I'm, I'm really conflicted because I think Georgia is probably the most underachieving team outside of Austin in all college football. 
but on the other hand, Alabama has sort of become the Ennis Del Mar to ESPN and the CFP's Jack Twist. Mm-hmm. I really wish they knew how to quit him as well. So I hope Georgia wins big. I'm picking them 31 and Alabama 17. Two touchdown wins, says Claus. We will get to the Big Ten title game here at the other side. Quickly, though, the AAC title game four years ago. It was the moment for Frost. Now it's Fickle and Cincy, minus 10.5 over Dana, his skullet. Cincy pounded Houston the first time. I think they do it again, uh, 35-10, the win outright for Cincy. Elijah. Yeah, Houston's got a good offense, though. It comes down to what Cincinnati's defense can do. I think we have a slim cover for Houston here. Their offense is good enough uh, to put up 24 points, so I think Cincinnati puts up 34. It's a 34-24 to win for the Bearcats, but a cover barely for Houston. Claus, what do you like here, Houston and uh, Holgerson, or do you like Cincy, the hammer job, and cover? Well, I'm much like you, Christopher. I'm a proud card-carrying member of the Beehive, mm. and Beyonce is from Houston. So I'll take the Cougars in an upset, 28, and Cincinnati, 24. There we have it. First time they'll meet all year. I uh, misspoke about the rematch, but I like what Fickle can do for you. Time out, and then we'll wrap up Michigan-Iowa, the Big Ten title game prediction with the forecast. Clausburn returns. We wind down a Friday with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, don't forget the weekend edition back tomorrow morning, 7 to 9 a.m. Mark Cranach, myself, Connor Clark going to be in uh, tomorrow morning. Elijah Herbal this afternoon as uh, we welcome Clausburn back in. And uh, 7 o'clock kick in Indy. It was awesome to start off the uh, Big Ten season for media days on that field. Uh, it started there. It'll end there. Iowa and Michigan minus 11. It would be very Michigan, as our uh, Wolverine insider said, for <laughs> Michigan not being able to handle success post-Ohio State. I get an eerie feeling about this with the turnovers. And Michigan's taking care of the ball. It's a dome. I get it. But momentum's a, a, a crazy thing. I think Michigan wins. I think Iowa makes it real tough. And uh, give me Michigan 27. And somehow Iowa will dirty 21. 
Give me Michigan the win, but the Iowa cover tomorrow in Indy. Elijah, you're shaking your head at me. Hell no. I was not going to be able to generate that much offense. Michigan's uh, run defense is stout. Uh, They don't know what they're going to do at quarterback between uh, Padilla and uh, Spencer Petras. So I I don't see Iowa scoring that many points. I see this pretty one-sided. Michigan wins 31-10. One more time. Michigan wins 31 to 10. All right. Winning Savage, for, savage for beating. Yes. Claus, where are you going here? Michigan and khakis, Iowa and, well, Iowa. Well, I was pretty impressed with the way Michigan played last Saturday. I kind of thought to myself at one point that maybe nine months from now, we might see a boom of babies named after Mr. Haskins. But then I looked at his first names and then looked at Michigan demographics and not to get political or anything, but I don't think that's probably going to happen. And again, that would never happen for Iowa, considering that a man in a Powerhawk uh, t-shirt is its own natural form of birth control. (laughs) So, I I suppose in this one, I like the way Michigan runs the ball. They got a couple good players in addition to Haskins, so I think Iowa probably makes it tough. I agree with Christopher, but I don't think it's quite. I'm somewhere in the middle. We'll put it that way. Michigan 24 and Iowa 17. Okay. Touchdown win for the Wolverines in a playoff reservation. Claus, behave yourself. Keep hammering the halls and uh, get to feeling better, all right? Okay. There he goes. Clausburn off. We'll have to, to figure out, and we'll have our, our bowl pickums coming up with Claus and the Friday forecast. What's, uh, what's on the agenda tonight? I will be watching the Pac-12 title game. Same. Uh, that's all about, uh, about it. Uh, Are we I, airing I'll, it or do we have basketball tonight? I believe we're airing it here. Oh, good. Uh, but all I know is that I will be uh, walking through the leaves in my yard on my way back uh, through my front door and uh, avoiding that. And I'll wake up in the morning and uh, avoid raking the leaves some more while I watch Husker basketball. Yep, and, it's an uh, 11 o'clocker. We'll hopefully avoid it all weekend until the Broncos play the Chiefs on Sunday night. How you feeling about your donks? Oh, not good at all. Not good at all. Check the podcast out. Good stuff from Jack Pierce on Mickey Joseph, Bill Dolman, Jacob Padilla, Greg Henson, and Clausburn. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Give us a rating. Subscribe. Good, bad, or ugly. We love your feedback. Talk to you tomorrow at 7 with Hale Varsity Weekend. A Huda Media Production.